Well, good morning. If you guys don't know me, I'm Bobby Taylor, youth pastor here. It's, uh, it's always exciting for me when, when Pastor Andy asks me to, to fill in for him up here. I, I really do enjoy the, uh, the prep work, the preparation and studying ahead of time that, that goes into it. And it always gives me a, a tremendous amount of perspective and really respect for Andy and all that he does uh, getting ready every week to come up here and do this. That's, it's a lot. Um, and he does a, a fabulous job. So these are big shoes to fill up here. So I always have the nerves pumping a little bit, but uh, you guys will bear with me, I'm sure. But I do enjoy it. This morning we'll be examining Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And we'll be talking about the idea of having spiritual endurance or perseverance and talking about this idea of fighting spiritual weariness. As a, as a relatively new father, I'm, uh, I'm certainly learning about having endurance and perseverance and fighting weariness in regards to, to parenting. It's, uh, it definitely is a lot of work and it's tiring. And my wife probably laughs when I say that because she does a lion's share of it. But, you know, when, when, I, when Maddie was pregnant and I'd always hear people saying, you know, how much work it's going to be and how much things are going to change and, and how tiring it is and everything that comes along with it, I would sort of shrug it off and be like, ah, it's not going to be that bad. You know, it's gonna, it's, we're going to be fine. It's, it's, it's going to be pretty easy. You know, I, I thought that people just say that because that's what you say, because you kind of want to scare first-time parents, because that seems kind of fun. I think I'll do that when first-time first dads. And I thought, well, people are just saying that. We're going to be fine. I know now those were not hollow words. That's, uh, it is, it's tiring. It's a lot of work and it's, it's tiring. Just a few weeks ago, uh, my wife went back to work on a part-time basis. So she teaches third grade over at Woodland Christian and she teaches on uh, Monday and Tuesday. And Monday happens to be the day that, that I have off of work. So I get to watch him that day, which is cool. It's a special time for him and I. And uh, the very first time I was gonna do it, uh, the beginning of this month, or uh, the beginning of January, sorry, uh, I was up Sunday night thinking about the next day, all right? And I was having trouble sleeping because I was a little nervous. And uh, it was going to be my first whole day watching him, you know, by myself without mom. And, uh, but the night before, you know, as I'm laying in bed, I'm making these, these grandiose plans in my head. I'm thinking, okay, tomorrow I am just totally going to impress my wife. I'm going to... I'm going to knock her socks off, okay? She's going to get home from work. Not only is Brooks going to be in just pristine condition, he's just going to be looking great. I'm going to, I have all these plans. I'm going to get all the laundry done, folded, put away. There's not going to be a dirty dish in the house. Every room's going to be clean. I'm even going to clean the bathroom. I'm going to pull that little scrubber out and get the toilet, everything, right? Making these plans. My wife's going to be like, wow, super dad, right? Next day comes. I don't even think I went to the bathroom all day long. <laughs> I mean, I didn't get anything done at all, right? My wife gets home and it's like, uh, he's still alive. Does that, does that impress you? Uh, I, I got a little taste of the stay-at-home stay parent life and it's, it's no joke. You have to have some serious endurance and uh, perseverance as a parent. It's easy to grow weary, tired as a parent. And you know, we all know we have to be aware of that and we have to do things to refuel and you know, we have to be, you know, as a partnership, uh, do things to make sure that we're in the right frame of mind and to make sure that we have endurance and perseverance because it's a very important job that we've been given, right? The same is true in our spiritual lives, right? It's easy in our spiritual lives to grow weary and, and tired. I think that spiritual weariness is something that 
every believer deals with from time to time. And, and I'll be honest with you guys, pastors are no exception to that. And you know, it's probably becoming more and more common in this world that we live in. It seems you know, it's increasingly dip more difficult to be a follower of Christ. It's definitely not the norm, and you can get a lot of pushback in, in a lot of areas if you really um, decide to live those things out. And I think if we aren't careful and intentional, a spiritual weariness can become a, a huge issue, right? It can creep in, and we can start to feel very disconnected and distant from God. And, and, and the reason that we feel that way sometimes is because we probably are, right, disconnected and distant, because we have that spiritual weariness. We can start to not be mindful of him and, and how he wants us to live, how he wants us to act in our daily lives. And the author of Hebrews, as, as we turn to Hebrews, he's writing to an audience that's experiencing this same sort of thing that we're talking about this morning. The Hebrew Christians were becoming spiritually weary, spiritually worn down. They, they'd been facing opposition and attack for, for a while, and, and instead of bearing down and, and focusing on Christ, they were starting to get a little bit squirrely, as we tend to do as humans, right? They were starting to look around at their troubles and some of the distractions instead of locking in and focusing on Jesus. And the author of Hebrews senses this, and he gives them some great instruction and encouragement on how to fight, how to combat this spiritual weariness that we're talking about here in chapter 12. So this morning, we're gonna note four imperatives or four commands that the author gives us on how to not grow spiritually weary. So let's start by reading the text. So if you guys wanna turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. I'm actually gonna be reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. That's the version that I studied as I prepared for this. A lot of times, Pastor Andy reads out of the NASB. They're very similar, so we won't throw you off too much, but let's read that together. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you know what, let's actually stop there for just a second. Now we know that any time we see the word therefore, that means it's referring back to what was mentioned right before this, and henceforth this is why I'm saying this now. So let's take a second to, to address that. Right before this, Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the Hall of Faith chapter in the Bible. The author's uh, hearkening back on, on the different people throughout scripture that, uh, who have displayed great faith in God in the way that they lived. He's talking about biblical giants like you know, Moses and Noah and Abraham and Rahab and, and a, a bunch more are mentioned. And, and the author's giving these, these weary Hebrew Christians a reminder through these examples of what persistent, wholehearted faith looks like. And then they're given this challenge by these four imperatives that we're gonna note this morning to do the same. So, all right, let's get back to the, the scripture. We'll read it in its entirety here. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So after this quick therefore statement that we address, we're given the first imperative, the first command, and this is exciting for me because this is a, new, a brand new word that I learned this week, and it's always fun to you know, use a new word that you learn, and it's this command to divest. 
I like that word, divest. Now, divest means to, to rid or free yourself from something, and it has reference to the Greek custom of stripping down one's clothing before a race. Okay, I don't recommend trying that in the next Woodland Turkey Trot, but you can maybe enter one in San Francisco and get away with it if you really want to. But. So it's a very fitting word for this passage, right? It's, it's just this idea of getting rid of extra weight before a race. And the author orders a, a, a sort of a double dose of divestment here. First, to divest hindrances, and second, to divest sin. So let's start with sin. The, the sin that we're especially commanded to throw off, to divest, is described in in this passage as sin which clings so closely, which I think is a really interesting yet very apt description for what sin does, isn't it? It's so easy for us as humans to get tangled up in sin, for it to get its hands on us and to feel grasped by it. And it's important to note that this, this sin that clings so closely to us refers to the specific sins that each of us individually are likely to commit, right? A besetting sin, as it's put in older translations of the Bible. We, we each individually have characteristic sins that more easily entangle us than others, right? Some sins that may tempt you might not Hold, it, hold very much appeal for me. For example, you know, maybe pride is the thing that trips you up, but it's really not an issue in my life. Or, or maybe uh, anger is something that really I struggle with, but maybe you don't struggle with that sin yourself. Uh, the, the trick is to be honest with ourselves, asking ourselves, and, and we can have other people help us do this, and certainly we can ask God to enlighten us in this area. Uh, be honest with ourselves. What is the sin that in easily entangles that clings closely to you or me, right? Is it envy, is it pride, is it lust, is it laziness, is it anger, is it multiple things? Whatever the sin is, the scripture's clear, it must be divested, stripped off, left behind if we are to run this race well. And you guys know by, by race, he's talking about, it's this illustration for the Christian life, right? But our command to divest goes even further because that, that one's pretty obvious, right? Yeah, we know if we wanna run this Christian life well, we have to get rid of the sin in our life, but it goes even further than that as we're called to lay aside every weight. The NIV translation says to throw off everything that hinders. So we're also to get rid of the hindrances in our lives. Now, a hindrance is something otherwise good that weighs you down spiritually. It could be a, a friendship, an event, a hobby, a habit, a form of entertainment. I mean, the list is very expansive, right? But if this otherwise good thing drags you down, you must strip it away, the scripture tells us. Here's a good example of this. Super Bowl's today, right? I'm sure everyone's excited to eat appetizers, right? Uh, maybe you're excited to watch the game. I'm excited to eat all the appetizers that go along with it. But um, I like to play fantasy football. In fact, there, there are a bunch of guys here at the church and we're all in a league together. Chris Nordstrom won this year. I'm still a little bit bitter about it because he beat me to get there. But I had a buddy in college who was totally in to fantasy football. I mean, he was to a crazy degree. Actually, to the, to the degree to which that his, his happiness, his attitude, how he treated people, it kind of hinged on whether he won or lost in fantasy football that week, which was not a good thing, right? And I applaud him because he was actually able to recognize this and he, and he stopped doing fantasy sports altogether, right? Fantasy football in and of itself, it's not sinful or bad, but the way that he used it, 
the, the, what it was in his life, it was, it, it ended up being this huge weight that slowed him down, a hindrance, right? So he did exactly what the scripture teaches. He divested it, got rid of it. Now, what are those things in, in your life, in my life, that are hindrances? Man, that list can feel like it's long sometimes, right? So what's called for here by the author is this conscious, systematic divestment of all sins and hindrances, and one that's performed with regularity. So, so once we've done that, once we've thrown the stuff off that trips us up and weighs us down, there remains one great thing to do, and it's our next imperative, and that is to run. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's cool to think, you know, that we each have a specific course mapped out for us, as it says in, in, this, uh, in this passage. And the course for each runner is unique, right? Some may feel like their course is relatively straight. Some it's all left turns. Some you feel like you're running up, up and down hills the whole time, right? But the glory is that each of us can finish the race that is set before us, right? I might, might not be able to finish yours, and you might find mine daunting, but I can finish my race and you yours. We can finish well if we choose, and if, it's a big if, we rely on him who's our strength and our guide. We can experience the same satisfaction that the Apostle Paul did as he neared the end of his life when he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses seven through eight, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's a comforting and inviting thought, isn't it? To be able to think like that near the end of your life. How do we do that? By running with endurance, right? There's no doubt that we can finish the race that's set before us. The key is to run with endurance. We're often taught from an early age that valuable lesson of life being more like a, a marathon than a sprint, right? We all learn that story of the, the tortoise and the hare uh, when we're young and all the areas in life that that lesson applies to. And in almost all cases, all cases measured out endurance will beat out any haphazard, all out, right out of the gate approach, right? And the same is true in our spiritual lives. That's, that's why this illustration of the Christian life being like a long race is used several times in scripture. It's very appropriate, right? I feel like I've seen several cases uh, lately in the news of high profile Christians stepping away from their faith. I know a, a, well-known, a, a well-known author did not too long ago, a, a well-known worship songwriter did just a few months ago. And it's always uh, sort of deflating when you see you know, a big name like that kind of peter out in their faith. And, but I like to find encouragement and focus on some of the spiritual plotters, as I like to call them in my own life. These are people who just kept putting one foot in front of the other in their walk with Christ, making that daily decision to follow Christ. That's something that we talked about in youth group on Thursday. Pick up your cross daily and follow me, right? How can I honor him today? I think about some of the spiritual giants in my life, Pastor Tucker and his incredible life of faith, right? I think about uh, Justin Smith, a huge mentor in my life. It's just one foot in front of the other. My parents, I think about guys in the church like Jim Pascoe, and I just think about the way that they run their race with endurance, and, and I'm encouraged to do the same. William Barclay said it this way, that determination, unhasting and unresting, unhurrying and yet undelaying, which goes steadily on and which refuses to be deflected. Obstacles will not daunt it. 
Delays will not depress it. Discouragements will not take its hope away. It will halt neither for discouragement from within nor for opposition from without. I like that quote a lot. Those things will still happen, right? The discouragement that we feel from time to time, the opposition that we face, yet the spiritual plotters, one foot in front of the other, right? The race that the author of Hebrews is referring to, it's, it's not for sprinters who flame out, it's for plotters, faithfully put, putting one foot in front of the other. I feel blessed to know so many uh, people in my life have been a great example of this. So those first two points, now that we're stripped of the weights and the sins that, that slow us down and that tangle us up, and, and now that we're running with perseverance, with endurance, we get this imperative to focus. We get this command to focus. To focus on something that will ensure that we finish well, which is of course, Jesus, the scripture says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, something that I alluded to during our time of communion. I read in a a commentary this week that the author insisting that we focus on Jesus instead of the name Christ implies that he wants us to focus on Jesus's humanity, his life here on earth. We're to focus on him first as the founder, right? Or some translations say the pioneer of our faith. And we know that Jesus is the, the founder of our faith and always has been John Chapter one, one through three, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. But even more than that, he's the perfecter of our faith. His entire earthly life was this this embodiment and this perfect example of complete trust and God. Earlier in the book of Hebrews, in, in chapter two, verse 13, the author is quoting Jesus when he says, and Jesus said again, I will put my trust in him. Jesus lived his, his entire human life in, in complete dependence on the Father, and it was this, this absolute faith that allowed him to endure the things that he did, the mocking, the rejection, the crucifixion, and still be the perfecter of our faith. F.F. Bruce said, had he come down by some gesture of supernatural power, he would have never been hailed as the perfecter of faith, nor would he have left any practical example for others to follow. But the glorious thing for us is that he did, right? He left the, the perfect example for us to follow, and he's uniquely qualified because of the life that he lived here on earth to be the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And it's the, he's the perfect thing for us to focus on, to emulate as we run this race, live this Christian life. But it's hard sometimes, isn't it? Do you guys sense this need for faith in order to run the race? If you do, then the command is we have to look to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our, we have to lift our eyes from the things in this world that distract us and that's so hard sometimes. But we have to do that and focus in on Jesus. This is crucial to living this life of faith and running with endurance and fighting that spiritual weariness. And finally, in capping this, this famous challenge to run this race well, the author gives us one more command and that is to consider. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This term, uh, grow weary, was sort of a sports lingo term in the ancient world for that point when a, when a runner would collapse from, from sheer exhaustion 
<laughs> exhaustion, ex- exhaustion from, at the end of a race. Right? So the way to uh, avoid this collapse this quote-unquote collapse in our, Christians, in our Christian life is to consider him. It says we actually get our word logarithm, our English word logarithm from the Greek word for consider. So it means to carefully calculate. In other words, to really ponder, think about Jesus, his life, his endurance of faith, his endurance of opposition in this world. We're to carefully think about and remember his confidence, his meekness, his steely resolve in the race that was set before him. You know, you really can't miss the wisdom of these last two points that the author of Hebrews gives us. It's to be absorbed with Jesus. That's really what it is, to be absorbed in his word, with his teachings, with his example. And it's why, you know, regular habitual study habits are so important and our worship and fellowship here with each other is so important. If we're if we are believers, we are in that race that the author of Hebrews is referring to. And you guys know as well as I do, in that race, it's easy to grow weary if we aren't careful, if we aren't intentional. Right? And any time that we do, because sometimes you get a little bit caught up and you don't even realize it, but sometimes we feel that coming on, that weariness, we have to remember passages like this and remember these four imperatives, these four commands that the author gives us. We have to divest ourselves of the sin and the hindrances in our lives. We have to get rid of the weight that slows us down, the sin that trips us up, the things in our life that are pulling us away from Christ, taking our focus off of what it should be on and onto other things. We have to run with endurance and perseverance the race that's marked out for us. We have to be faithful plotters, putting one foot in front of the other, uh, in front of the other, understanding that it's a a marathon, not a sprint. It's this daily decision to follow Christ and to be used by him. We have to focus on Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith. He has to be at the center of what we do, the center of our sight. We have to pull our eyes away from, from the distractions of this world and onto him. And then lastly, he says we have to consider him, how he lived in this world and strive day in and day out to follow that example and, uh, and to live in that way. Such an awesome reminder. Uh, I know that, you know, we, we all go through those times in life where it's, that race gets hard. Right? It, gets, it gets tiring sometimes. The opposition that we face and, and, and the, the things in this world that want to pull our focus away from Christ are very real, and, uh, and that's a difficult thing. But if we remember this passage, we remember these four commands, these four imperatives that the author gives us, keep our focus on Christ, run with endurance, get rid of the things that slow us down, and on that consistent basis, think about him and how he lived and strive to do the same. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for these reminders and these commands that you give us in your word on on how to run this race well. And and sometimes it does feel like this race and it's tiring and and we get tired and, and we grow weary, but Lord, we know that we can always look to you for strength. And if we find that in you, we're gonna find endurance 
that ability to put one foot in front of the other in this life and, and to live for you on a daily basis. When we kind of zoom out and, and realize that if we just, each next decision we want to honor you, it becomes so much easier. God, I just pray that we can limit the hindrances, the, the things that want to trip us up. God, that we can divest those things, that we can throw them off, get rid of them, keep our focus on you, run with endurance, and think about how you lived and how we want to do the same. Lord, we thank you for uh, these great reminders, and I just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.